We here at Stormdar Weather are not associated with the National Weather Service or any other professional weather service agency. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a matter that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome everyone to the Stormdar Weather Podcast, Episode 10. I'm your host, Randy Luna. And I am Corey Taylor. And this is our Please Don't Burn episode. Burning is bad right now. Burning is very not encouraged right now. I don't know if there's anywhere in the Ozarks you can go that doesn't smell like smoke right now. Yeah, you've been smelling smoke for the past week, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it if it's been bothering me. It gets in my eyes and and, and it burns them. It kind of stinks. So I always know, even if I can't smell it, my eyes tell me there's smoke in the air before I can smell it. So oh yeah, yeah. And coming up from Arkansas. Yep, and- I read where there there's there's several fires. I I, I looked at a, a map. Uh, I think it was the U.S. Forestry Service, and they actually have outlined where all the fires are down there, and and you know with these warm temperatures and 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 wind it's brought it into our area and uh you can kind of see it if you're if you're looking on the horizon you can see the smoke so it's out there definitely it's making for some incredible sunsets too it is and and we've had some good clouds too but a lot of that is mixed in with the smoke uh Mm -hmm. that sun really turns it orange kind of tinging the uh the the light waves as towards sunset Yep. Yeah, and our problem is, is, is we've had all these uh, systems that are basically dry, and they're not very strong, and they're staying up to the north, so we are just not getting any rain. Well, anytime we have a cold front come through, yeah, we haven't had any rain. It's been dry. The temperatures dropped for a few days, and then went right back up, so. Yeah, which is really typical of the La Nina, which we'll get into that later, but uh, all this dry weather has put us into... A pretty significant drought. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, uh, we are in technically what they call a severe drought, which means we are at a deficit, and the the the, the ground is so dry. Uh, we've had our freeze, so all the vegetation has died. Right. So there's no greenery out there, and with the warm temperatures and the wind, is is making for dangerous dangerous fire conditions, and. Uh, I think we had a red flag warning the other day. Yes, we did. And I know a lot of people are uh, wanting to know exactly what is a red flag warning. Does it mean you should only wear red for that day? No. No, it means you should only use white flags for that day. I surrender. I surrender. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I want to just explain just a tad what a red flag warning is. Uh, A red flag warning the criteria, the official criteria is sustained wind average of 15 miles an hour or greater. So it doesn't have to be strong. Uh, a relative humidity equal or less than 25%. And a dead fuel stick moisture of less than 9%. And that's what we've got now because everything is is dead. You have all these dry uh, timber uh, kindling just laying on the ground. And if people are smoking, we hope you are not still smoking, but no cigarettes out if you're driving on the highway, that could just easily 
spark a roadside fire, and we we I, I've seen some of those in the past. Well, that's a weeks. problem. That's how a lot of those wildfires out west get started by careless smoking, throw them out the window, and, and that's it. And it burns for weeks, you know, weeks. Uh, oh yeah, and then houses get in danger. I mean, it's Absolutely. really, really, really bad out there. I mean, we don't have it quite that bad here, but even controlled burns, they're saying. They should, you know, we shouldn't have controlled burns even now. I subscribe to the Southern Stone County Fire Department here, uh, there in Branson West, and they have had several reports of controlled burns getting out of control this week. So that's incredible. It's a bad thing. When they say don't burn, when the fire department tells me not to burn, I'm not going to burn, you know? Yeah. Until we get some rain. It's just, I mean, fires can get out of control so easily. And some people think, well, I've just got a little trash can. I've got some sticks. Uh, uh, You know, it's not going to get out of hand. I'll just go burn that. I've got my hose. Well, that's not good because what happens is fire is hot and you get those little ashes and embers that are still on fire. We all know heat rises, so they're going to go up into the sky and they could go into the neighbor's yard and then land absolutely, and, and then start a fire. So, you know, even if you're standing there watching it and you have a hose and you say, I can put this out, I can do it, it's, it's not going to happen. It could go two acres down, down the way if it stays burnt that long. Once it looks like it's going out of control, it's already too late. It's, yes, it's way too late. And then it's going to take a while for the fire department to get there. And oh, if they're sure. responding to all these other fires and wildfires going out... It's going to take several minutes or maybe an hour to get there, and by that time... Well, in the rural parts of the Ozarks, if you're not in Branson or in Springfield, they're all volunteer firefighters, so it mm-hmm. takes even longer for them to get there. They're at home. Oh, you know, yeah. when they get called in or at work. they got to get the call and then yep. go, yep. And, and that takes even longer. So, bottom line, if you're in a red flag warning area, please don't burn. Don't throw any fire, even matches you know how it's not worth it no and don't and, don't don't take it as a challenge oh i can do this no well and, and another thing they have is is a a uh, there's there's different products uh the national weather service has they have a, a heightened fire danger which is usually in the hazardous weather outlook mm-hmm. that's that's just a heads up you know we really don't think you should burn today it, it's under the under the criteria of a red flag warning uh, and sometimes they'll issue a fire weather watch, and that means they're going to watch for uh, relative humidity to see if the humidity gets low enough that wildfires can get easily out of hand. So, so you may get a fire weather watch a day or so before red flag warning, but regardless, when it's dry, just don't burn. That's crazy. Now, I assume if there were if there were a burn ban, now there's there's not right now, but if we were was under a burn ban, and a person, they found a person burning, and that fire happened to become out of control and burn for days. Would that person, I mean, he's breaking the law, could they arrest him for if you're burning under a burn ban? I, I wonder about that. Now, I've wonder. heard about that out in California, but I don't know about around here. Well, certainly they'd probably get a citation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, depending on if anybody was injured or killed, I think, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe involuntary manslaughter charges, possibly. I don't know. We'll have to look for that yeah. for next week. 
good question. We've got off the hurricanes now, so now we need something True. else to research <laughs> as we get in there. And and speaking of rain, which we desperately, desperately need, I was curious to see just how much of a deficit we are right now. So mm-hmm. I messaged the National Weather Service yesterday, and they are so cool. If you have a weather question that we can't answer, the National Weather Service Facebook page, message them. They are awesome. They do get back with you. But And they got back with me. So I my question was, for 2017, how much of a deficit are we in precipitation? And honestly, I was quite surprised by their response. What they said was, for 2017, we are actually in a surplus right now of 3.91 inches because of the spring flooding, which I thought was fascinating because we're so dry right now. But the problem is we had all this rain pretty much within, what, two weeks? (laughs) I mean, back in in the spring, and that put us into a surplus. However... If you go back to meteorological fall, which is September 1st of last year, and take that precipitation from September 1st, 2016, through today, we are actually at a deficit of 8.56 inches. And that's huge. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, No rainfall that we are going to get is going to make up for that right now i mean no and if it if we did get that much rain we'd be flooding again so yeah you know. we'd be back in back in flooding right. and watching you know table rock and all the lakes and everything uh the, we would be flooding because as we mentioned there's there's no live vegetation there's no greenery out there and what what the live vegetation does if it rains heavily it kind of helps soak up the water that you know, that falls, but we don't have that right now. So if we would happen to get even, I think if we would even get a, a nice two-incher and quickly, we oh, would go absolutely. into flooding. Absolutely. We would flood from all the runoff. Ma- yeah, massive runoff. Uh, what I did look, and I was kind of surprised to see this too, because I watched the Storm Prediction Center. Everyone knows that that uh, we are big advocates of the Storm Prediction Center. They're... they're um, uh, FAR or false alarm ratio is very low, and so we put all of our or, or a lot of weight in their forecasts. And we we noticed that for today uh, or tonight, actually, and Wednesday, they have a little green area circled that says, "Well, we could get some thunder, maybe some lightning." And I'm like, "Well, how can that be? We're we're so dry." And and so I looked at the forecast this afternoon. And the latest one says there's a chance of showers and maybe thunderstorms for Wednesday, beginning like 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, this is for Branson. About 6 o'clock in the morning, the chance is 60%, and that goes to about 11 o'clock. So we might get some thunder tomorrow. (laughs) That's just kind of odd. I wonder if they do that knowing that we've been in a drought, and they're more likely to paint that lightning over us than they would be in the spring, even though there's just a very small chance because any lightning strikes right now could could be bad on some uh, uh, on the uh, 
anything, it's going to burn. You know, it could yeah, start we're a so fire. Dry. I mean, and that happens a lot. What what uh, what is it? Arizona that happens a lot. It's you get a dry thunderstorm where you get all the electricity but no rain, and all all the lightning does is go pow in a field, and there's no water to pull it put it out, and it just sparks a fire, and then you've got wildfires again. It'd be interesting to see if they keep the lightning in the forecast, whether or not they'll list in the hazardous weather outlook. It could be lightning. Things could be ignited. You just never know. I mean, yeah. I, it happens. Definitely yeah, happens. And, and we're definitely not talking severe weather. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, the Storm Prediction Center does outline areas of non-severe weather where there could be some lightning or something. Matter of fact, I would be personally kind of surprised if we had lightning and thunder. Um, it's not out of the question. We got, you know, it's been warm. I mean, today's high, I checked, what, 72 in Branson? I mean... It's the end of November. We have 72 degrees. This is nuts. Well, <laughs> I, I'm loving it, but I'm not loving the the dry. I, I hate being dry. And they tease us with rain, and they, I see it a week out or so. And I'm like, oh, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And then closer, closer it gets. Like rain chance dwindles just a little bit, just a little bit. So I'm not yeah. holding out for anything, much of anything you know, tomorrow. That has been the pattern. Although I have noticed they have been increasing this one. So, mm -hmm. so night before last, I looked, they said, well, 20% Tuesday night, 40% on Wednesday. And then earlier today, uh, when I went to play my morning show, I looked at it and it said 20% tonight, 50% tomorrow. I thought, okay, that's cool. And then I looked at it, uh, late, late this afternoon and it's like 20% tonight, 60% tomorrow. So they're actually kicking well, it up. Good. That's a good thing. Yeah, but I wouldn't get chance. too excited, though, because the actual text forecast, which we look at, says, uh, a, you know, a rainfall amounts about ten, a tenth of an inch, but higher in thunderstorms. Yeah. So <laughs> that could be a half inch. So that's really not going to make any dent whatsoever. And those whatsoever. thunderstorms could be pretty small, just just a heavy part of, of the storm, and it could affect a very small area. So... Oh yeah, the majority of us are not gonna not gonna. Long see story anything. short, this rain's not gonna put a dent in our drought whatsoever. No, no. and the problem is, is because we mentioned in our winter winter weather outlook. If you all haven't seen that on our Facebook page, it stormed our weather. Uh, go and check that out. There's some funny shenanigans that happened about five minutes in, which I still watch. And I think make sure you're watching there. the right one because we've done three or four of them. Yeah, now. we've done three or four. Make oh, sure it's the 2017, years. 2018 right. one. We did a live cast, but we talked about uh, which we which the weather pattern is going what we uh, what we were talking about in a La Nina pattern, and and briefly because we talked about it there, La Nina causes the jet stream to lift further to the north than it would be instead of coming down through the center of the country it kind of lifts a little bit north and that's we think is one of the big factors that's happening now because we get these cold fronts you know south of the jet stream is the warm air north of the yeah, north of the jet stream is the colder air and you have these dry fronts so the temperature goes down to the high 50s for a few days and then bam look we're right back up in the 70s again it's crazy I love it, but uh, I'm not a, a snow guy. I'm not a winter guy. You know, I work outside a lot. Yeah. So I'm definitely <laughs> loving the, the warm temperatures. I can go out there in short sleeves and, and no jacket, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, officially, meteorological winter starts, what, Friday, December 1st? 
True. Very we, true. We talked about that. Now, now the actual uh, astronomical winter starts around the 21st, 22nd. I, I haven't looked. Basically. I haven't either. It's just easy to remember meteorological because it's the first it's day the of the same. month. <laughs> but people have been asking us about El Nino and La Nina. And what I have for the weather school today is a full explanation of what El Nino and La Nina is. So let's take a listen to that. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormed Our Weather School. El Nino. We've all heard of it, but what exactly is it? And how does it affect the weather? In the past several years, scientists have studied the sea surface temperatures in the Pacific Ocean. Variances in these sea surface temperatures are thought to play a role on global weather, which involves changes in both temperature and rainfall. This warming and cooling of water temperatures give us what we call El Nino and La Nina. These events are thought to have been occurring for thousands of years, but these effects have only been seriously studied in the past few decades. This phenomenon is usually a long-term occurrence, which lasts from anywhere from a few months to up to a year or more. When sea surface temperatures are warmer than average, it's referred to as El Nino, which has a rough Spanish translation to the child or little boy. Conversely, Cooler-than-average sea surface temperatures are coined as La Nina, or Little Girl. The area that we monitor for these warm and cool temperatures lies in a specific region of the Pacific Ocean just either side of the equator, starting just off the western coast of South America and extending westward for several hundred miles. Typically, we feel the effects of El Nino and La Nina mostly in the wintertime, but their effects can be noticed throughout the entire year. Let's talk about El Nino. When we have an El Nino season, the warmer sea surface temperatures essentially cause the jet stream to shift and sometimes brings extreme weather to some areas on the planet. We look at El Nino to give us an idea of how the weather pattern could affect the U.S., Generally, in El Nino years, the jet stream sets up along the southern states, primarily from California through Texas through Arkansas and Georgia. The jet stream is essentially the storm track, and waves of energy tend to ride along the jet stream. The intensity of El Nino gives us an idea of just how far south the jet stream could go. Typically, a higher probability of severe weather occurs in the southern states during an El Nino year. California, which is usually dry, can see quite a bit of rainfall during these winter months. States like Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia usually have quite a bit of severe weather when this occurs. Colder conditions usually occur in the Midwest since the more southern position of the jet stream tends to allow more Canadian air to move into the country. The larger scale structure goes like this. A low pressure system 
often develops in the Bay of Alaska, and the winds traveling counterclockwise around that low tend to feed a lot of moisture into the California region. The low also flings warmer air into the northwestern U.S., so those areas will generally experience a warmer and drier than average winter. This setup also can allow for a pocket of very cold air to pool up in Canada and then slide into the upper Midwest states. This would give the northeastern U.S. a colder and snowier winter. On the opposite side of the coin is La Nina, which has cooler than average sea surface temperatures. Many times when La Nina occurs, then it causes the jet stream to stay up over the northern part of the country. This helps prevent the bitterly cold air from coming down from Canada. La Nina causes high pressure to set up over the Bay of Alaska, and the clockwise airflow around that high allows for a drier and warmer winter over the U.S. El Nino and La Nina give us a very broad seasonal outlook on how the winter season could set up. Even in a strong La Nina year, when the jet stream is parked across the northern states, there will still be occasions where cold air will make its way down into the center of the country, but those cold snaps usually don't last very long. And, in an El Nino year, there will still be a few periods of warmer temperatures, but then a return to colder conditions. When sea surface temperatures are average, then we won't be in an El Nino or a La Nina phase. This is what we call La Nada, or a neutral phase. When this happens, the jet stream generally keeps its pattern of tracking across the central part of the country, and the extremes in the weather pattern aren't that noticeable. There's always a combination of things that affect our weather. This weather school was designed to give you a very general idea of what happens in a typical El Nino or La Nina year. And even if we are in these phases, the actual weather conditions depend on a number of variables, like when did the El Nino or La Nina start, how strong is it, how long will it last. These factors have to be built into making some kind of winter outlook. The El Nino and La Nina patterns just give us an idea of what could happen. We don't know what causes these sea surface temperatures to fluctuate, we just know that they do. So next time you hear that we're going into an El Nino or La Nina phase, you'll have a better idea of how the meteorologists devise their outlooks. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. And there you have it. Now you know the difference between El Nino and La Nina. The National Weather Service in Kansas City had an interesting post today that said, uh, since record-keeping began, this day, which it's the 28th of November, mm -hmm. uh, on average, this is the first day of measurable snow in Kansas City through the years. This is the average first day of measurable snow. Oh. And then they started uh, explaining why it's not going to happen. And it's basically what they were talking about in that. 
and they were pretty much trying to tell people who were begging for snow on there, you know, that it's not going to happen anytime soon. Wow. So, Well, in subsequent episodes, we're going to have to start talking about the probability of a white Christmas. Although, I have a hunch we probably won't have a white Christmas this year. <laughs> I hope not. I'm sorry, guys, but... <laughs> You can well, watch the movie if you that's want. That's true. You know. Or you can get some some here, here's what you do. You get some uh flour and you go outside and have one of your kids up on the roof and then open up your windows and have them like sprinkle the flour in front of the windows and then you can sit there and say, "Wow, we've got a got a white Christmas." And mm-hmm. or maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen this year. No, and if La Nina strengthens, I don't think it's going to strengthen um, looking at the ENSO, uh, El Nino Southern Oscillation patterns in the past years, we only have those spikes. Like last year, we had this this really really stupid strong El Nino, and then it'll kind of you know go weak either way for a while, and then bam, we'll it have another died strong out one. fairly quick too. When it went once it was, it really did. Yeah. I was kind of surprised because I normally those things you know the 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 sea surface temperatures when we're talking the the warm temperatures or cool temperatures take a while to fluctuate and you can measure those. But yeah, the El Nino quit and we were in neutral for a while, but then officially, I think two months ago, officially we went into a weak La Nina. Yep. There you go. So I think it's time for our favorite segment. Weather myths. Weather myths or Facebook myths or any myths that we have. You got something? Well, is it really a myth is my question or is it a, a rant. A harsh reality, <laughs> what we have to deal with on social media these days. You know, you see a lot of the fake news uh, sites oh, and stories, man. and people share, 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 share. Well, same thing's going on with the weather, guys. Fake weather. Is it fake weather? Is that, is that our new term? Uh, a lot Could of fake be. weather sites out there. They think they're real, and they think they're doing a great job and providing a service, but what they're actually doing is, is uh, spreading... Uh, I wouldn't call them lies, but uncertainties mm-hmm. and getting a lot of people who don't know anything about the weather or weather models, getting them very, very excited. And so they post it and their friends post it and their friends post it. I saw people altering their Thanksgiving plans here in the uh, past few weeks because of, of, a, of a certain site out of uh, my home state of Oklahoma was telling them that we're, they were going to have 16 inches of snow on the ground the you know yeah. the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving and I was out there in shorts on that Saturday didn't didn't have any snow anywhere so anywhere. not even not even close not even no. in Kansas not in Oklahoma not Missouri and it's this type of situation that everybody knows from listening to us it's the hypers it's like guys just stop with the hype well, it, it just shows that you don't know what you're doing. Well, he did something very irresponsible. He took one run of one model, and it really wasn't even consistent, and just posted it all over Facebook. It, it, yeah, All the meteorologists around here from, from Springfield to Oklahoma City to Dallas, they were on, on their weathercasts live uh, denouncing all of this. 
it's not it wasn't going to happen and it didn't happen that's what i thought was so cool because usually it's it's our you know us enthusiasts who actually do know what we're doing i mean we're not to the level of a professional meteorologist but we've studied weather our entire lives basically and so we know how to read models we know what is hype we know how to tell if something is is real or fake we and see it was, an anomaly when we think it probably won't happen we we can we can tell you know when it's when we uh when you just have one run and it shows 16 inches of snow and i'm not seeing that anywhere else on any other model or or uh and on different runs you can't go off of that. There's just no, there's a, there's a, a fluke in that model somewhere, somehow. Yeah, it's picking up something. So, so let me go on a rant of all of you people listening, if you don't know much about weather, but you do know a little bit about models. Let, let me explain how to read a weather model. First of all, Randy, I yes. want to ask you a question. Sure. I think we should explain what are models and what exactly are they designed to do? So everybody's kind of on the same page and then kind of go into why you should or shouldn't do what with a model. What 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 exactly is a computer weather model? Well, a computer weather model to okay. I did I okay, I did actually a weather school on computer models too. And I'll see if I posted it. And if I didn't, I can make it available so okay. people can hear that. But in a nutshell, um, National Weather Service offices, there's weather service offices all over the country. Uh, dozens of them, and each of them take data, the weather data, temperature, humidity, wind speed, uh, barometric pressure, anything has, having to do with the weather, and they get this information from weather balloons, and attached to the weather balloon is a radio sonde, and what the radio sonde does is a measurement instrument that can go from the surface all the way to the top of the atmosphere and take readings. So what happens is all this information is relayed back to the National Weather Service with each office. Okay, this information is then fed into supercomputers that have certain equations and calculations and put everything together and make a prediction on what they think the atmosphere is going to do, how the atmosphere will behave based on the information that these radio sons uh, their information that, that, that they feed into the computer models. Now, the reason there are so many computer models is each one has a little different type of equation, little different kind of spin on, on what they think is going to happen. Some of them are global models. Some of them are localized models. They have hurricane models. They can go, uh, hurricane hunters can go and gather information about a hurricane, feed those back into you know, that data back into the model, and then the model can make a prediction of where it thinks is, is the hurricane is going to go. So uh, some of them are more, some uh, weather models are more tilted towards precipitation only. Some weather models are tilted towards temperature, uh, where we get the climate models. And some seem to work uh, for predicting winter weather better than others. Yeah, the European the is in my opinion, much better at predicting right. winter than the GFS. But the GFS, on the other hand, is, I think, much better predicting severe weather. Correct. So I we kind of look at that. So what happens is you get like a um, – what it, it takes all this information and it starts spitting out 
a prediction. And let's just take the GFS, for example. So it has its own set of equations and, and supercomputing capabilities. So it spits out a forecast of what it thinks is going to happen 24 hours from now. Then it'll make another prediction, and it'll go 48 hours from now, and then three days, four days, five days. And eventually, the GFS is designed, so it will probably – it goes out 384 Hours, I think, yeah, yeah 384 hours, uh, which we all know the further out you get, the, uh, what am I trying to say? The less accurate they are. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a phrase I'm looking for and I can't figure out what it is. Um, the less accurate they are. And actually, computer models are quite good at about three days out. One, they're, they're really, really good. Um, three days out, they're pretty good. Once you get to five days out, then it's like the, the margin of error. That's what I'm saying. The margin of error starts increasing. You get seven days out, <clears throat> excuse me, even less accurate. Right. And, and you get 10 days out, less accurate and going on and on and on. Well, we have the GFS going out 384 hours. Well, the Canadian model goes out, I think, 240 hours. So by calculation, that's 10 days. So in order to understand and read a weather model, you cannot rely on just one of them. So if one day you're looking at a 10 or 15 day uh, output from the GFS and it says, oh my gosh, there's going to be snow on, in Oklahoma and it's going to be five inches or something, we laugh at that. Because yeah. the, the margin of error is so great at that point. <laughs> now, getting back to reading the weather models... We say ignore that, but the trick is to keep watching that weather model. So if it says, uh, I think, uh, take an example of what the weather models are doing right now. So I, let me give a, a real-time example. The GFS is saying, or said, last week the GFS said, okay, there's going to be something coming in precipitation-wise around the 3rd of December. And we're like, okay, well, that's two or more weeks out. All right, so we just take a note of it, eh, whatever. So we keep watching it and keep watching it and keep watching it with each day. And the one thing we look at is consistency. Well, the GFS has been fairly consistent of bringing something in. So then you go and you check other weather models. Are they saying the same thing? Uh, timing placement, that's one thing we always talk about it is long range. You know, it could be a tweak to day or, or you know, days or, or place, uh, territory. It could be further north, further south. And you go back. So what I do is I cross-reference it with the, the Canadian model or the CMC. When the CMC, well, it's showing something, too, coming in on <laughs> around the, the, the 5th of December. So there's a couple of days timing difference. Well, then you go back and you keep checking the GFS, well, now the GFS is saying something, well, around the 5th or maybe the 6th, it's something coming in. Then you check the, the JMA, which is the Japanese model. There's, there's, you, you just cross start cross-referencing cross the model output that you're interested in and see, are other models saying this too? And what I have discovered, there's some consistency in this. So when you're looking at long range and you take in, in consideration consistency factor, mm -hmm. also the cross-referencing factor, then you can kind of start raising your eyebrows a little bit and say, it increases okay. increases your probability 
quite a bit when you see that pattern. Right, because each each weather model has a little different calculation, a little different spin on it. Because because a lot of times the GFS will say something five days out, and you'll go to the Canadian model, and it won't have anything. It's like, right. eh, okay. So you just kind of put that in the back of your head and keep watching subsequent runs. Well, that's exactly what happened to this big hype thing that we were talking about. It was one long-range model output, and this guy jumped on it, and there's another guy that jumped on it uh, that's, let's just say, south of here, and started hyping it up. Well, the GFS is really, really saying there's going to be a snowstorm, so you need to change your plans and blah, blah, blah. And that's where we hopped on board and said, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. And lo and behold, two days later, the GFS didn't have anything on it. Nothing at all. And it was, what, 65, 70 degrees? <laughs> I liked it. It was crazy. I liked it. So so that's my rant. I, I will I will leave it at that. Anytime a model says 16 inches of snow. Uh, oh, man. Six, any, any more 16 inches of snow is like a a 10-year snow, if that. you know. <laughs> I mean, it, that's going to be your big snow for the next decade. Cause oh, that, gosh, that, yes. That would, that would cripple us in Branson. When when was our big thirteen inch snow? Was that twenty thirteen? It was a, it was a few years ago. Yeah, I don't remember what year it was, but a few years ago. But then we haven't really had anything since then. No, sadly, <laughs> I haven't had anything really. Nothing yeah. to write home about. But like you said, you know, like it'd be a ten year, fifteen year thing. I'm sure the weather pattern is eventually going to flip back around, and we're going to have this mammoth snow. I mean, that's the thing about it. it, it to me, it all runs in a cycle. It it's, does, uh, and we're due. It's it's going to change back anytime. Yeah, I just don't feel it happening I can't, right now. You can't blame it on global warming. No, because it's just the cycle we're in. It's a cycle. I mean, we had the ice age millennials ago or whatever, right. you know. So we had this, and then the Earth warmed up. Well, it's warming up. Then it's going to cool back down over thousands of years. It's just what happens. So exactly, we believe it that. Oh, so don't go liking and sharing things. No, and we Facebook. we've said before if, it's from us. Yeah, if something looks suspicious to you, message us with it, email us. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll look at it, research it. You know, and don't pay attention to those long range weather models. We could be Stormdar, the Snopes of weather models. Ooh, I yeah. like that Stormdar <laughs> yeah. Snopes. Isn't that neat? Oh, I get sued for using that name, but we'll use something similar. Well, I don't know. We'll have to check and see if Snopes the, is a thing. The, the weather myth busters of the Ozarks. Yeah, so hopefully we won't have to say anything next week on the podcast about more hypers coming on. <laughs> it happens every time. It does. Well, got anything else? Uh, not pertaining to weather myths, I don't. But uh, just to kind of sum up this whole entire show, don't burn. Don't burn. It's dry. Don't burn it all. We had a record-breaking wet spring. It was in the within the top five in the Ozarks, and now we've hit the other side of the spectrum. Now we're in the top five of the driest uh, falls. So yeah, and and, and severe is actually the middle of the categories. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Minor, moderate, severe, extreme, and exceptional. And right now we're in severe. And I hope it not wouldn't going surprise into me if that didn't worsen soon like 
I have a feeling. I, I don't know. I don't know. I we we have got to get some some rain in here. Well, we'll keep we'll keep looking at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have us show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com. Join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. <laughs>